Oh, let's bow our heads and we'll pray for this service this evening. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to come into your house. Lord Jesus, the privilege that we have, God, of coming together as a body, corporately and collectively, Lord, to hear your word, to be encouraged by it, Lord, and to be commissioned out beyond these walls to do your work, to do your will, Lord, to be about your fi- uh, business, Father. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that your anointing will be upon the scripture, the word of God this evening that we would in some capacity be changed, Lord, or be able to take this, apply it to our lives for the coming days and the coming weeks, months, and years that are ahead of us, Lord Jesus. Um, Teach us, Lord Jesus, to be generous. Teach us to extend mercy. Teach us to be kind, Lord. Teach us to love one another, especially those that are of the household of faith. We come against the enemy and any attempt that he would have to um, not let this word land onto fertile soil, God, in our hearts, Lord Jesus. We bind him in your name and we cast him far from this service, God. We want you to be glorified tonight for your glory and the souls of men, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this evening. That's probably good for the lights as long as you can see uh, your Bible. Is everybody good? Okay, well, good evening uh, again. Uh, I have uh, the privilege of having the pulpit over here once every month or two uh, on a Sunday evening, and I uh, enjoy it. They have discipleship groups going over in the youth ministry tonight, a great time uh, with the girls really diving into the Word with the girl leaders and the guys with the guy leaders and getting down, getting down to the nitty-gritty, so um, we, sh- we could say or speak um, and really... Uh, really dissecting the word with the teenagers, which is really nice. A lot of growth comes from those nights and opening up and stories and testimonies and um, being educated with the word of God. Um, so tonight, um, I, I kind of went back and forth with this, and God led me to um, a, some, some scriptures. I started thinking about, I started thinking about the stuff that's ahead, and you can call it hype, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but I don't, it doesn't really matter. I think our country is on an inevitable collision course um, with the financial collapse and ruin. It's just the way that we have done business. It's unavoidable at this point. It's just a matter of time and where your roots are, where your faith is. And um, I mean, everybody is hurt. I'm not going to talk about this stuff tonight because I think there's something even more important. Um, as this stuff comes and, and approaches us, whether it's this week uh, when the Pope comes to town or the, the weapons that the Iranians have or the blood moons or the Feast of the Trumpets or Passover or Jewish this and that and Shemitah, who knows what I'm talking about? All this stuff, if you don't, I mean you should, we're supposed to be looking into this stuff um, and know this stuff, not to say that it's not hype or is hype. It's scripture, there's patterns, you can look at the pattern of Israel. Um, Whether it's this week, whether it's in five years, ten years, we're on an inevitable collision course with judgment, um, with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our nation again. But tonight, I, I started thinking about, you know, when all this stuff unfolds, whenever it is, the most important thing for us as Christians is, uh, is to be kind to one another and to sinners. Um, so I just have a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 4.32, these are not going to be on the screen. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Luke 6.35, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Proverbs 11.17 says, a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Colossians 3.12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, Humility, meekness, and patience. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love is patient and kind. Proverbs 19, 17, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. 
Galatians 6.10, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good and be kind to everyone. And especially, like I just prayed, to those who are in the household of faith. In church. Excuse me. Is it easier for us to be kind at work than it is at church? To to unsaved people, to ungodly people? I have a, a message tonight, and I entitled it, The Struggle to Be Kind that I face, that we face. No matter our personality, no matter our temperament, no matter how outgoing or introverted we are, no matter how friendly or unfriendly we are by nature, because we take after our mom or dad or grandparents and those genes got a hold of us, not blaming anything, not excuses for anything, right? But trying to live as Jesus would live and how Jesus modeled this kindness. So I want to start my message and say that I want you to kind of take yourself back to the crucifixion and obviously Jesus was in absolute agony as he hung and nailed to a cross his brow was punctured bleeding from a crown of thorns that was very cruelly set on his head his back was lacerated from the Romans leather whip called the cat of nine tails that we are familiar with his head his back lacerated from the Roman leather whip who had uh, those who had passed by him by the cross he was hanging there or being whipped and scourged and and they kind of added insult to his injury by mocking him and saying things that were ridiculing him and the thieves that were crucified with him would join the crowd below when they were mocking him but then in this moment as Jesus was hanging there one of the thieves had this conviction and a change of heart in that moment and actually cried out like it says in Luke 23:42 Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom so i want you to imagine just for a moment what a different gospel that we would have if Jesus had retaliated in that moment like we want to do like i want to do because it's not fair that all these unsafe people get to act however they want do whatever they want they can get back they can have uh, um Uh, They can retaliate against me and start to plan uh, revenge and retribution and all these different things. But I can't because I'm a child of God. That's not fair because I want to act on my feelings. I want to tell somebody. I want to put them in their place. You ever been there? Felt like that? Probably daily we have to crucify those things, right? Well, I'm just naturally nice. I was born that way. I'm one of the nicest people. There's not a mean bone in my body. I could say that about people like Becky Martin and Christy Fisher, but I'm telling you, there's got to be another side. It's ev- everybody has this potential. Because outside of God, we cannot be good. No matter how naturally we think we might possess this friendliness. God changes our heart and causes us to be this way. And I want to talk about this actually being a law which you're probably familiar with if you know the word so you can imagine what a different gospel this would be if jesus would have retaliated or maybe just kind of glanced over at the at the criminal that said that and gave him a dirty disapproving look maybe even can you imagine that being our example of what the gospel was and said, man, I, I could have taken you to paradise, thief. Your sin is the one who put me here. Can you imagine if he said these things or retaliated in this way? You haven't stopped mocking me in the past hour. Right? Imagine if he would have responded this way. And, you know, I, I've, had a, I've had enough of your uh, condescending remarks. Out with you. Off with you. You're on your way to hell. You're going to be descending on your way to hell. You have no hope. Imagine if Jesus said these things. And he could have. And that would have been the picture that God was painting for us as the gospel. It's kind of confusing. But he didn't react this way, and we know that. And I'm really glad that he didn't react that way. This was not the case. If it was, then all humanity, myself, would be without hope at all, right? If he would have responded that way, we would have been without 
hope. But what happened next, this exchange, this dialogue that took place between this thief who felt conviction and Jesus in that moment changed everything. It actually displayed the whole gospel for us about Jesus and his kindness towards humanity, even though it was their sin that put him on the cross. He displayed this awesome kindness of the Son of God the way that he responded. And immediately out of his mouth came these powerful words, these comforting words, saying to the thief in Luke 23, 43, I assure you today that you will be be with me in paradise. It's like Jesus saw right through to this man's heart in the sincerity and the genuineness of the repentant heart. And he saw it. And he was generous and he extended mercy and grace and kindness in that moment. And that moment right there, just those couple of sentences displayed the gospel, did it not? It explained Jesus' heart. It explained how, um, what his character is. It's one of kindness. And I'm supposed to model that no matter how impossible it may seem all the time. And that's why I give you a possibility tonight through the Spirit of God. This amazing kindness of God. Under, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if you remember, David had also a glimpse. And he experienced this, so he was able to extend it to others because of his experience. So David had this glimpse of this kindness of God, and he wrote in Psalm 145, 8-12, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all of His works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men His mighty acts and the glorious majesty of His kingdom. So David was revealing this true character of God, full of compassion, slow to anger, merciful, good to all. So Scripture is is showing us this. It's demonstrating God's kindness to not only the believer, but to sinners as well. Amen? And the believer, there's this... Would you agree that being a believer and someone who walks with the Lord... It's something more than just experiencing the mercy. When you walk in a relationship with this God who possesses this kindness, it's different than something that the unbeliever has yet to experience. Do you understand that? And if, if we walk in this relationship, there's this weightiness. This, it's almost like an enrichment, like we say in education. The majesty, the glory experienced when we're personally doing His work, when we're personally um, uh, doing His will and serving Him. God is always going to have a people in the earth whose lives are a direct reflection of His kindness, an expression of His kindness. People that don't just talk about Him, but express and show and demonstrate His kindness to the world. Because that's what the unsaved world is looking at and looking to. They're not reading the Bible, they're reading us, right? And we are supposed, I can't do that, I let people down and I can't be perfect. And why do I always have to be so kind to everybody just because God is living in my heart? Do you feel that way sometimes? Why does the world get to retaliate like this? Why do they get to say what they want? Why do they get to have a few choice words and a few choice gestures and I just have to sit and be good and not do anything? Because I'm godly, I'm a Christian, and people are waiting to call me out on my flaws, so I just have to be good. Does that bother you sometimes? But there's encouragement tonight. We always talk about these random acts of kindness. You ever heard of that? Kindness, I'm going to show you tonight that kindness is not just random. It's actually a law that God says he writes on our hearts. Familiar with what a law is, we'll talk about that. So kindness isn't just this random or momentary act that, you know, you, we, I know, remember going to youth events and they, during our lunch break, we would go out and perform random acts of kindness for strangers and bums on the street or give them, we've done that, but I don't know what that says or does about me and my character and who I am every day and how I respond. Random acts of kindness 
I mean, it can't be a bad thing, but is it who, is it who we are all the time? So kindness, I'm, I'm telling you, is not just some momentary act or when you feel like being kind or some random act of kindness. Proverbs 31, 26 says, She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. And the last time I looked, I, I know the differences, and I know the scientific method, and I know theories, and I know laws, and the law of gravity, and the law of energy, and motion. and the I mean, it's like the sun rising and not rising. It, it happens. It's, in, it's something to be proven true through experimentation, through observation, over and over and over and over again. It's the same every time. That's why it's a law, right? So this is the law of kindness. It says that in the word, the phrase, law of kindness. How am I supposed to get this law of kindness in me? So we need to kind of see this verse directed like it is in this verse, not only to this great wife in a loving marriage, but also as a type directed towards the bride of Christ. And the law of kindness is something that God God himself has to put this in our hearts by through prayer, through reading, through the Holy Spirit. God has to put this kindness in our hearts and it's something that would flow from his bride, which is us, that comes out because out of the abundance of the heart. He etches this, he writes this law in our hearts and it cannot be uh, changed, modified, or altered. It's a law and it's in us as Christians Some of us struggle with just anger. Some of us struggle with sinning while we're angry. Some of us struggle with just being mean or telling people where to go or what to do and shove it and what, right? I mean, if somebody does me wrong, the first thing, do you want to retaliate? You want to get them back? You start planning how you're going to, planning your attack, I'll show them, Right? Is it not fair that as Christians, God says, no, don't do that. I gave you a firsthand demonstration on the cross, the way I responded to the thief. That's the gospel. I could have responded differently, but this law was written in the Son of God's heart for this because it's the whole gospel. It's true that as as Christians, we do struggle with being kind to our spouses to people in the church, to the household of faith, to our co-workers. Most of us are nicer to pets and co-workers than we are our spouse and people of the church. Come on! So as Christians, we have this struggle to show kindness or, or even wanting to show kindness or desiring to do that. But this law of kindness, with, if it's within me, it's not going to be... Um, it's not going to be distorted by my circumstances if it's a law. If it's a law that God has written in my heart. And, it's, and it's, this law is going to take precedence to anything that would try to overthrow it and make me react or respond in, 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 a, in an unsaved or ungodly fashion. This law of kindness which God himself, the Bible says, writes on our hearts It keeps us from becoming condemned by the enemy and by ourselves, especially when we start to remember that we've not always really acted with kindness, and and, and especially when we start um, think the devil is kind of unfolding all these things in our mind, all the wretched things that we've said, or even the last week or two. Think of the last week or two that we've said, and we can start condemning ourselves right now because we haven't been kind to one another. So this condemnation will come and it's, it's just overwhelming. It, it can become a mountain if we let that stuff mount up. And um, all these things, for example, <laughs> uh, Jen and I and Phil Moore and Jen went to an, the OSU game yesterday and if I acted and reacted like I wanted to a few times, getting there, so we get to the stadium and we're not in the stadium for another hour because of traffic. Okay, I was mad. I, was, I wanted to do some things. I mean, do you ever feel like, maybe this is just me, you ever feel like just getting out of your car and kicking stuff and throwing stuff? And you ever imagine just like, man, I could beat this dude up so I could. You ever, don't lie, you ever picture this before? Come on. 
The Bible says that my heart's a wicked place, man. I can devise some crazy stuff. Yeah, just beat people up. Yeah, because no one in here has ever thought about, oh, I could just kill that person. No one's ever thought that. No one's ever prayed, God, you could just like strike them with lightning when they're on the way to work. Just take them out. You've never thought that, have you? Yeah. Okay. These are, you have these thoughts? And you're, where do these things come from? Some of you have thought about these things in regards and, and to the people that are closest to you. We're horrible without God. These thoughts. <laughs> I spent hundreds of dollars Friday night. I was going to go to the game, was going to take my wife out, and then all of a sudden, um, the guy finally shows up, and we start hundreds of dollars to work on my yard and excavating and reshaping the whole yard so the water flows right and all kinds of stuff. And, and it's Friday night, and it's 5.30, and there till like 10 with lights on the big uh, skid steer bobcat. And, and so we're doing all this work, and then I get up in the, or no, was it that? It was the next day, I get up and I put seed over thousands of square feet of land and I put hay down everywhere and the guy left some excess dirt on the wood line that I could use if I needed to and then I get a neighbor behind me that comes down, doesn't say a word to me, takes a picture of the pile of dirt because it's on his property by a foot and then takes a picture of maybe the property line, and I'm like, I could jump this deck right now. I will tackle you to the ground. I have all kinds of moves that I could administer, right? And I'll, I'll take a picture of you standing on my property taking the picture. What is wrong with people, right? And I'm thinking, man, this, I, I can't do that. Or is it, man, I, I want to do that, but I can't. I'm a Christian. I can't. I can't. I have to be a good, a godly example to this man. So now I'm just kind of like waiting. What the, what's this dude going to do? Seriously. Gee, There's things that just get to us, right? And I think, you know, this message came, uh, I was thinking about doing this a week or two ago, and then the day before I'm preaching it, this stuff happens, and like, okay, all right. God, I need you to write this as a law on my heart, because I, there's some stuff in me that you don't know is there until things happen, and you're like, whoa, right? So we need, uh, as Christians, we have to understand this. We have to understand, because people are looking to us. As unfair as we might call it, they're looking to us to display kindness that the cross displayed for me. So you might think, man, I've had a really hard time, or I've tried really hard to be kind i've wanted to be kind i've wanted to be an expression of your goodness your kindness it's it's too difficult then we throw in the towel i mean christians christians are are known the bible says that i will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another and we're supposed to love the people of this world but you're not alone if you've said this it's too hard you're not alone if you said it's too hard and i'm God obviously understands and has his own remedy for the lies of the enemy and the accusations and the condemnation. And you can look at Israel and how they failed God continually. But it was God that said in Jeremiah 31, 33, the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. So we have to realize that it's not even within me to be kind. It's not even um, within me to want to be kind. I don't have the capability. It's not in my genes or my natural ability to do so or to express the true kindness of God on a, on a continual basis. All these abilities that I think I might have, they're, all of my abilities are conditional anyway. I'm sure yours are too. They're conditional. But the unconditional kindness that God has, is, it has to be something that He writes on the, on the character of my heart. He has to do it. This can't be dictated by circumstances. 
can never be accomplished by my effort, no matter how my personality is, and I'm, I'm an outgoing guy, and I'm friendly, and I love people, but I get upset, and I get angry. And um, no matter how well-mannered or, or even disciplined we are, I, I will be kind, I will be kind, and then we're not. As simple as this may sound, I mean, we struggle to be kind, especially as Christians. It's by this supernatural, it can only happen supernaturally, where God, His Spirit, will infuse this life of God through Jesus Christ inside of me. God gives me the capacity to be kind in all situations. So it's this gift that goes far beyond any of my natural desires or even, even, my, even my best wishful thinking on my finest day and my finest hour. It's beyond that. So this showing, showing kindness shows God's character. And it actually shows God the true strength of character inside of me. It's not a weakness to be kind. Do you understand that? It's not a weakness to be kind to people. How many of you are, you can, don't have to answer, but supervisors or bosses or a position in leadership where you have other people around you that you're trying to develop that aren't kind sometimes and we have to be kind. And even in our own families, it takes strength of character to be kind especially when someone else does me wrong or picks on my family. And especially in ministry. I mean, I'm, I, I'm educated. I have a science background, but I'm even more of an idiot because I'm educated and I still choose to believe in creation. I'm even more of an idiot because I'm educated, yet I still choose to believe in creation. And I have to be kind. And... It's when we respond in anger. It's when we respond uh, 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 and have a desire for payback, for retribution. It's when we do those things. It's not good. That's, that's weakness. Because that, that's the easy thing to do. The difficult thing is responding in tenderness and a forgiving heart. But this is the heart of God. And this is going to be the heart that God wants to put in us for the coming days. When Christians are becoming more and more marginalized, when there's going to be more ridicule and mockery and persecution, God wants to put his heart of kindness in us towards people, to love them and to be kind to them. Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that has broken down without walls. So compare yourself to a city. If you can't rule and reign, you know, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. I can't help it. I had to give that guy a right hook to the jawline where his nerves run. I had to. I'd had no choice. The guy provoked me. Yeah, real good, real nice kindness. Way to demonstrate Christ. Way to have self-control, a fruit of the Spirit. Well, I'll just ask for forgiveness later. God will understand. I mean, we're backwards, aren't we? We, We need a heart of compassion towards people. Compassion will move me to be kind towards people. And this is not just the sinner, but in the house of God. So the person who lives a life that isn't really um, controlled or governed by God, then, then, then that person's kindness, whoever they may be, is going to be divided and will divide and be divided. If you look, I'm gonna, you can go to 2 Chronicles 10. Rehoboam, the son of King Solomon, is, is an example of this. Directly after in, inheriting the kingdom. And this was an example I looked up of somebody in the word not choosing to be kind and extend mercy. Rather, wanting to lead with an iron fist, right? Because, you know, it's the age-old question, is it better to be loved or to be feared? And you have all kinds of people in all kinds of positions of leadership. Think of the people that you're around who tend to lead by fear. And I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to love people. I can't lead without loving. I can love without leading, but I cannot lead without loving. You can't. You can't. You have Rehoboam. 
um, after inheriting the kingdom, uh, there was there was in a proper prosperous condition from his father Solomon became this this uh, this source of like a lot of pain and division. Afterwards, Rehoboam was approached by Israel's leaders that would come down from the north, and they came in peace, requesting ease and maybe from the heavy taxation that was going on then and the labor rules of his father Solomon. So in that, these, these seasoned elders at the time, these seasoned wise elders strongly cautioned him and said, man, if you are kind to the people and you speak kind words to them, they'll be your loyal servants forever. But be kind to them. This was the advice from these seasoned elders. Be kind to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. But obviously he wasn't satisfied. He must have considered that to, to, to be a sign of weakness. He must have considered that to be weak counsel. Oh, you, you're telling me to be kind. I'm going to show him who's boss is what I need to do. And there, uh, I'm supposed to be listening to this counsel that God has sent. And the multitude of counselors, there's, there's safety and he sought out and accepted this wisdom that was coming from basically his really unseasoned, immature, spiritually immature peers. And he took that advice. Of course, that wasn't good advice. Because they offered him this, this horrible recommendation. Didn't have anything to do with the kindness of God. In fact, 2 Chronicles 10, 13, 14, and 16 says, And the king answered them roughly. The king answered them roughly. And King Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men and answered them after the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add unto it. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. He's want to make things worse. He's trying to be the big bad leader. He, and when, he saw, uh, when, when all of Israel saw the king would not hearken unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? And we have none inheritance in the son of Jesse, every man to your tents, O Israel. And now David, see to thine own house. So all Israel went to their tents. So as a result of this rough speaking, this rough leadership of not heeding the advice of these seasoned elders, ten tribes of Israel basically severed all their relationships with him. They became what was called at that time the northern kingdom. He ended up ruling over a divided kingdom with his power and authority that were completely diminished because of his rough response and not heeding the advice of these counselors that God had sent. So Rehoboam after that was only left with two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. So he became very marginalized, pushed to the, I mean if you want to call it, pushed to the side of history as you look back through history because of that decision that he made to respond in a rough manner. And because of that, his life was, the, 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 the call of his life, the impact of what his life would have been was now neglected. It was sidelined throughout history. So this is the final outcome of a man who resisted the law of kindness to be written on the tablet of his heart. So if you look at the legacy that he, le he left, you don't really see a strong man. You see a weak guy. His testimony kind of stopped there because he answered roughly to the people. And you don't see a man that's taking the counsel of God, but rather rejecting it to set out and kind of do his own thing. Listen to this, this tonight. Because I think a, a lot of people in the church are, are here. An unkind spirit, an unkind spirit will always separate us, you, me, from the fullness of what your life and testimony can be. An unkind spirit will always separate me from the fullness of what my life and my testimony can be. You ever got to check yourself and say, man, you're getting mean to yourself. And it just kind of leaves us with a portion of what maybe God wanted to do through me. So Rehoboam is kind of a sad illustration of this this struggle to be kind, especially in these last days, as we see the evil becoming good and good evil, and we're just kind of like, man, we, it, it vexes us. And we have kind of fallen in line with this and aligned ourselves with this unkind spirit. 
But the devil will attempt to use every tactic that he can to halt this power of God's kindness from touching the lives of the people around us and using us to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Paul clearly saw, obviously, what was facing our generation when he said in 2 Timothy 3, 2, and 5, this is what we see all the time right now. For men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, and blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, which is unable to, to keep or retain truth, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, and from such turn away. So the enemy has been laying these foundations of this self-seeking, selfie type of world for a long time. To be mean to everybody and to only be about ourselves and to save ourselves and to only provide for ourselves. And it's this self-seeking, this, the devil's persistent with this, this filth from the media and everything that, 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 that um, involves ingratitude and covetousness and don't, don't, um, it's going to be an uphill battle to be kind as we see the days progress ahead of us. It's going to be an uphill battle to be kind to people. To be kind. Or to not yell at them. I tried to tell you too bad. Or to be mad like Jonah because 120,000 people repented. And he was ups- He was mad about that. He had, a, he had an unkind spirit. This law of kindness, we can ask God to write this law of kindness on our hearts. We have to be courteous in these days. We have to be loving in these days. We have to love people. It's the gospel. No matter how hard it is. This end time struggle of being kind. This, all the lawlessness that's happening. The rebellion against what is good and and holy, and we're, we have come to this scripture that I just read. You can see all of this. We, it's a time we're living in right now. We're casting away all that is good. We're putting behind us all that is right. And we exalt as a world everything that's wrong. And we have reached the point in our society where evil is good and good is evil. That's what we're calling it. This is where we are. So God wants to reveal his heart through the church. Keeping this testimony of kindness alive and powerful will be one of the greatest struggles that the church has ahead of us. Staying kind. Keeping the testimony of kindness. But the great thing is is that God cannot be defeated by the enemy. God cannot be outwitted by the enemy. He does have a remnant. He does have a remedy. He does have a people who will operate completely in the opposite spirit that this world operates in. And I hope that's you and I. I hope that's the church of Jesus Christ. Maybe somebody who says, I'm willing to be a firefighter in these last days. I'm willing to to be a firefighter for this heavenly kingdom. Or when everybody else is running or moving away from the fire, God's people are running towards the fire. I always picture myself as a leader having a bucket of gas and a bucket of water, one in each hand, when there's a fire or a situation um, in my building and I want to respond with gas and I want to say something that I shouldn't say but I know it's just going to make things worse. So I should be running to that fire with the bucket of water, choosing to use a bucket of water as opposed to a bucket of gas, making the situation worse because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen? So it is my choice to do this, but I want to challenge you to say, I'm going to be a firefighter in these last days. But I I don't need to have a, a, a helmet. I don't need to secure myself or to get my security and provision from worldly, physical, tangible things. And I don't need a helmet. I don't need these fireproof uniforms. I don't need an axe in my hand. But I want to be a firefighter. I want to be equipped with the Word of God in these last days. I want to be equipped with the law of kindness written on my heart in these last days. 
And when the world displays all these mean-spirited, antagonizing remarks towards Christianity, the true church of Jesus Christ, while that's going on, is revealing mercy, is revealing generosity, is revealing the gentleness and the tenderness of a heavenly Father. That, my friends, will stand out. Be kind. Be kind to one another. So this is not just wishful thinking or thinking that we can create some type of utopian ideal. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, this is, especially in a dog-eat-dog world like this, we live in a crazy world. But we can actually represent everything that Jesus is in the earth today. Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Paul's basically saying you need to come into agreement with God and his ways. It's really that simple. But I know when someone else does me harm or does me wrong, it's easier to just, I know this is kind of weird to say, but it's easier for me to just wish their house would burn down. (laughs) Isn't it? And to dwell on those thoughts and I'll get them. Or just take them out with the bolt of lightning on the, way, on the way to work. I mean, just do that. We've thought these things. It's just easier. But this is not aligning ourselves with this law that God wants to write on our hearts. Of kindness. Of being kind. That is not agreeing with God. An agreement with God is is when Jesus and his disciples in Luke 9 is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, says, um, you know, when others do us harm, or when Jesus was going to the villages with his disciples at this point, I think it was James and John, and he goes um, to, to these villages and wanting to evangelize, and they arrive at this certain village, and um, they, they all refuse to welcome Jesus. And that made James and John mad. I mean, don't you get mad when somebody else does something to someone close to you? Oh, you don't mess with my family. And then we start scheming and planning and how can we, and then God usually taps on us real quick and says, "Uh uh-uh, this is not the law of kindness being demonstrated. And Jesus told James and John that in Luke 9, 55 and 56, they were responding. If, if they were saying, well, maybe we could just call down fire like they were talk, like the, when Elijah did it and just consume everything and take them all out. And Jesus is like, no, no. If you do that, you're responding the way the world would, would respond. You can't tell me in the situation right now, you can stockpile as many guns as you want to. If we're overtaken by the billions of Islam terrorists in the world, what are you going to do? Seriously. Well, no, you won't. You need to pray. You need to be kind. You need to be generous. These are the things that Jesus would have you do. You under, I mean, this is serious. Because I have this whole plan in my flesh what I'm going to do. Right? But this does not align myself with Jesus. Luke 9, 55 and 6 says, He turned and rebuked them. Jesus turned and rebuked his own disciples and said, Know ye not what manner of spirit you are of? You better, better change some things here. You're responding in an ill manner here. It says, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I came to save them. And they went to another village. Shook the dust off, went to another village. God's desire for people is to save them, not destroy them. We need to agree with God and just say, Lord, your ways are right. You're right, Lord. I agree with you. There's this law of kindness which is, has to be written into my heart. For those who want to represent you in the earth, you have to do this, Lord. This should be the testimony of my life. This should be the story of my existence. The law of kindness in my heart. But it only happens through the Holy Spirit. This law of kindness is a supernatural, um, heavenly transaction between myself and God, the Holy Spirit. 
I believe it by faith is to be done. I don't have to go through a training or a seven-week program or all these steps to get the law of kindness in my heart. Well, I'm so mean, and I have all this anger and bitterness in my heart. And I, but God says, by the Holy Spirit and by faith, I need to come to a place and acknowledge it, saying, I can't do this. I can't learn this. In fact, there's nothing in my flesh that has this kind of ability. And we have to agree with God. Because it's only God that writes his law in me and on my heart. I just need to embrace it. I need to be kind to people. I need to embrace it. The spirit of life and and, and Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm made free by the power of God that's within me. The Holy Spirit quickens and raises me out of death. He gives me a new heart. He gives me a new spirit. He gives me a new mind. This is the gospel. Amen? He gives, all things are made new, old things pass away. He enables me to stand. It's not in my own power, but in the supernatural power of God. To be his life. And it has to be his love. As we close, you can kind of fade the lights down. Uh, You can pick a song. I don't have anything, but just something that we can come up to the altar with and just simply ask God I don't know the song, Create in me a clean heart, oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know what I'm talking about. Create in me a clean heart. Remember that song? Something like that. Um, But it has to be his kindness flowing through us. If we could stand tonight. See, this doesn't really make sense to the Pharisees and the religious crowd. Usually they're standing with their arms folded and they're scratching their beards and they have their scrolls out and they're all wise looking. They're trying to figure him out. Meanwhile, lepers and prostitutes and sinners are coming to him and being changed. So we become the recipients of this kindness of God in Jesus Christ. We're all an undeserving group of people. But we were all given the power to become the children of God. And even these people back in the day that were forgiven were marginalized in the eyes of these religious leaders. But they saw and they heard this message that proclaimed God was good and his mercy endures forever. And it was this whole concept that the religious crowd could not and would not hear. And it left them on the outside looking in. To what Jesus was doing. So as you start the song, let's just praise God that the ground is level at the cross. Amen? The ground is level at the cross. His loving kindness, the Bible says, is better than life. Man, God, you are kind to me. No matter where we have come from, good or bad, we can still come to God. He, he won't turn us away regardless of what we have done or what we have done to people or what they have done to us. It's because of His grace, His kindness to us through His Son that we're able to stand and even agree with David shouting from the rooftops like he says in Psalm 1835 and when I'm done with this scripture, please come to the altar and ask God to write His law of kindness on our hearts, especially in the coming days. Psalms 18.35, David says, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand holdeth me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. God always chooses to deal with his people in a gentle fashion. Come to the altar tonight. God, you write the law of kindness on my heart. This has been a struggle of mine. It's hard to be kind to people. It's hard. I can't do this on my own. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness, your generosity, and let it be displayed in my life through the coming days to be kind to people. And not just through a random act of kindness, but through the law that you have written on my heart. Maybe some of us are leaders in our jobs. 
and people do us wrong. And if you are a leader, people are going to talk behind your back and say things. And you might catch wind of it. And as a follower of Christ, if that law is written on my heart, I must respond in a kind, gentle, tender manner. Make this church kind, Lord. You do reign, Lord Jesus. Make me kind, Lord. Hallelujah. Our God reigns forever almighty. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Forever all my days, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. When I respond choose to respond in a kind manner it will set me apart from this world it will set me apart from wanting revenge and retribution and payback but God this is something you have to do for me to be kind for me to be generous to share my resources to pray for my enemies Help me to align myself with you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. What an opportunity we have to stand out Father God, we thank you, Lord for this message. Help us to receive you as you write. We're asking you to write the law of kindness on our hearts. Help us to be kind in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Have a good week.